Debs here, and welcome to a new episode of Debs Watchlist. Today, I'm super excited to be talking about Pixar's new movie, Soul, with two of my friends. For those of you who aren't familiar with the story, who haven't seen the movie yet, Soul's essentially about Joe, a middle-aged man who's really passionate about jazz and is frankly quite good at it. And he's taking on a lot of gigs in the hope that one day he'll have his lucky break and become a jazz performer full-time. But life isn't quite going the way he imagined, so he actually finds more time, not on stage, but actually in the classroom, teaching band to middle school students. But one day when the opportunity to perform alongside a jazz legend arrives and he actually gets the gig, he's super happy, doesn't quite watch where he's walking and ends up falling through a manhole. And falling through the manhole transports him into other worlds where he embarks on an adventure to really learn what it means to live and what it means to live with purpose. So that in a nutshell is what Soul is all about. And so now that you guys have some context, Wanted to first let my guests introduce themselves before we start talking about how we thought about the movie, how we felt about it, what we liked, didn't like, and what takeaways we drew from this movie as well. So do either of you guys want to kick us off? I can start. Thanks for having me on, Debs. I'm I'm super excited to be here. And hi to all your listeners as well. My name is Jackson Gu. Uh, I am by no means a movie expert or anything, but I do enjoy movies a lot, especially, you know, all Marvel movies, Pixar movies. And my guilty pleasure is all Christmas rom-coms, especially the Netflix ones. So I'm very excited to be here to talk about this movie because the theme it addresses is very similar to what I focus on in my own podcast called Path to Purpose, where I interview people with inspiring stories about how they found their purpose, passion, spark. So we're excited to discuss this with you guys. Hi, um, Dev's listeners. I'm also super excited to be here. And my name is Amy. I'm also not a movie expert, but I actually love watching all the new Korean dramas that are on Netflix. And I usually get a lot of movie recs from Dev's actually. So Uh, which is great because I usually don't do my own research on them. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much, Jackson and Amy, for being on the show. And as you can tell, we have a very eclectic mix of movie tastes here from Christmas rom-coms on Netflix to Korean dramas to Disney movies. So this is going to be a fun conversation. So to warm things up a bit, I usually like to ask my guests an icebreaker question. Since we're talking about Soul, which is an animated movie, the icebreaker question is, which animated character are you most like? It can be from any movie, any TV series, does not have to be Pixar. Which animated character are you most like? Hmm. This is a hard one. Um. I have to think think for a second about this. (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Once you get past this question, the rest of the conversation will be easy peasy. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to say the character that I am probably most like that's actually coming to mind right now is probably Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. I think he's 
wacky and makes dumb jokes. And that's exactly what I like to do. Um, I'm sure there's probably a better fit character out there, but that's the only one I can think of right now. All right. All right. What about you, Amy? So I, th- I can think of a lot, but I'm having trouble recalling the names and also some of the personalities. So the only one that's really coming to mind for me is uh, Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, just because he's so energetic and kind of does things without a lot of thought sometimes, but generally is really well-intentioned. And I do think naturally that is my inclination, but I do like and relate to a lot of his energy that he brings to Winnie the Pooh the show. Yeah. I actually do think that kind of suits you because you are the most social and active person, at least one of the more social and active people I know in my friend crew. So I think Tigger fits well. I totally agree. That's, a good, voice, that's a good fit. Not, not the not voice. The voice <laughs> I, don't, I don't love his voice, but... <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering that icebreaker question. So yeah, let's talk a bit about soul. So what are your guys' thoughts? What were your expectations going into it? And just keep it really general because we don't want to provide any spoilers, at least in this part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, going into it, I, I did have pretty high expectations and I was excited just by virtue of the fact that it is a Pixar movie and pretty much all Pixar movies are are produced at such high quality with such great plots. So I was very excited to watch it. I also did uh, just do a quick Google search on how it, how well it was received and did see that it got like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes or, or something like that. So going into it with those two things in mind, it being a Pixar movie and getting a super high critics re- review, um, I already knew it was going to be something memorable. So. I did have high expectations for sure. Yeah. What about you, Amy? So I just saw basically the image of the movie and then soul, but I didn't really read into it. So, and I thought that it was about a jazz musician. So I really thought it was going to be about soul music. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, this is interesting. This is about like purpose and passion and all, all that stuff. Yeah. And it was like a lot wonkier than I thought. But yeah, I thought we were just going to be like, you know, normal living in New York the entire movie. Interesting. Yeah. So for me, I actually remember when Soul was just an idea and reading about it in the news. And that really caught my attention because I thought it was dealing with really interesting and relevant themes of life and life's purpose, and especially us being in our 20s, right? Post-grad, that's something that you think a lot about, especially once you've had a few years of job experience, really thinking about where do you go next and like, why am I even here? So I was really excited. And then of course, when the early reviews started rolling in from critics who've seen it, it seems like everyone really liked it as well. And so that definitely amped up my expectations further. Then after watching the movie, what are your guys' thoughts? Did it meet your expectations? Did it surprise you in any way? Do you like it? First of all, I thought the animation was amazing. Most of the setting when it was on Earth was New York in the fall, which is like, the I think, the best season in, in New York. And uh, every time I think about New York in the fall, it's just very beautiful. And so, yeah, the animation itself and the music, I think, 
were really great. I was actually part of a jazz band for a short while in middle school. And so I totally relate to the first scene where the music just sounds terrible and no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was me as well in middle school. I started playing saxophone and jazz band at that point and continued through high school. Definitely uh, very loud and, and, and not good. Um, I... I totally agree with Amy. I thought the animation was beautiful, like especially the parts where they animate Joe playing piano and you know the other musicians playing their respective instruments. I'm sure you guys have noticed that in a lot of films and movies, it's oftentimes just faking the instrument and then they put like an audio over it. But in this movie, you're it's really convincing. And I'm I don't play piano, but I'm pretty sure. Joe is actually hitting the right keys at the right time. And that just made it so impressive. And even when, when Dorothy was playing trombone, it really looks like she's a real person playing an actual trombone. So that animation was incredible. And New York also did really feel like a character in itself because I remember in one of the scenes, I think Joe was walking under, I don't know what it's called, but the green underpass. And literally I've been there. So it was really cool to see kind of your own personal experience on on screen in in the setting. Yeah, definitely. One other thing to do about the animation is I know we've been focusing a lot on the real world, right? Because in the movie, there's two worlds per se. There's the real world of New York where we're like, yes, this matches our experience being in that city. And then there's the so-called great beyond and the great before, which is basically this... Uh, life and death kind of border experience or the great beyond. Some people might say it's like heaven, like after you die, that's where you go to the great beyond of life. And then the great before, which is before you even come into this world where your souls are formed. I'm actually really impressed with how they took such abstract concepts and were able to make it concrete through animation. They use cubism to represent the different figures that you would see. And it was very modern art, which I think jives really well with the abstract themes that this movie is dealing with. And also then the music is also a very different. You don't get jazz there. It has like very... It just feels very new age-ish sometimes, but definitely really interesting to see that contrast. So yeah, to talk a bit about the story though, curious to get your thoughts on the general plot. I think at a high level, what I was expecting was definitely more straightforward. I thought it was going to be about a person who doesn't like their job, they somehow, you know, get the courage to pursue their dreams. They end up doing it and they love it and they live happily ever after. That's kind of what I thought it was going to be going in. I didn't expect there to be so much kind of meta-ness and like other dimensions and all this representation of abstract concepts. I didn't expect that, um, to be honest. In terms of how the overall plot played out, um, even the message at the end, I would say, is not what I expected because it's, I think, at, towards the end, we find out that the meaning of life and purpose is so much more complex than just you doing what you like to do, but rather making the most of every moment. So from a from a plot perspective, it it was more complex. And to be honest, I think many children would probably 
struggle to fully grasp what what this movie has to offer. So I, I do think it's one of those Pixar films that caters, honestly, in this case, probably better to adults than than kids. Yeah, I would agree with Jackson in that. Um, so to be honest, I watched the movie twice because the first time I watched the movie, my TV kept shutting down. So I wasn't sure if I wasn't fully comprehending the movie because I had to restart my TV every like um, like 15 minutes. But then I rewatched it and then I realized that it, it is a little bit harder to uh, fully comprehend the main message because I think there are multiple as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I agree with a lot of the points that you guys mentioned. I also watched the movie twice. First time, to be quite honest, felt slightly underwhelmed. The plot, especially knowing that this has been compared a lot to Inside Out because they're both dealing with very abstract things. I just think the plot in Soul isn't as airtight. And I think it's tricky because A, they're dealing with very abstract concepts. So there's bound to be certain things where it seems, you know, less solid in terms of logic. But the second thing is that they're also creating other worlds, right? There's the great beyond and the great before. And when you create other worlds, there are going to be certain rules by which these worlds operate. And you have to make sure that those rules are airtight and that everything that follows makes sense. But it just felt there were some loose ends and there were some loopholes that just made it hard for me to completely buy into how this world works and thus to buy into how the story develops. Another issue is that for a lot of other Pixar films or even Disney films in general, there's that one theme that they're going to hone in on and really focus on. But here, you've got them focusing on living, you've got them focusing on purpose, you've got them focusing on passion, you've got all these different big topics that are already difficult to understand on their own and you're combining it all together. First time when I watched it, I was actually a bit confused on what their core message is, because I think they were sending a lot of different messages. And so I actually didn't like it as much on the first go, but that isn't to say I hated it. The way I would describe it is this to me wasn't like a Pixar classic. Like when we think of Up, when we think of those movies that are the you know highest standard for Pixar films, I don't think it's up there, but it's definitely not on the level of Cars 2, which was completely obliterated by critics. Like, it's not that. It's like somewhere in the middle. So I would say I enjoyed it. And the second time after watching it, I think some of my questions were answered, some not. But I think the second time around, I appreciated it a lot more. I can see why a lot of people like it. But to me, while I would recommend people to watch it, I do think it's a good movie. It's definitely not a movie that I'm raving about or that I would go on a crusade to get everyone to watch. I fully agree with that, Deborah. Like when I said earlier, I had really high expectations going into it and I saw that the critics gave it 98%. To be honest, after watching it, I was kind of surprised that it got that good of a score because to both of your points, I think they were, the movie was sending multiple messages. And I, by the end of it, I didn't know what the moral of the story was. And even the story, even the message that it was trying to send I think it was doing it in a very subtle way, right? With those little little items, uh, like the, the, the lollipop and, and the leaf and all those things, it, it was more suggesting. And so I wasn't sure if, it, it wasn't clear to me, they, they never really made any message explicit compared to other movies. And I think the one that it's probably compared to most frequently is Inside Out. And I did feel like that the message in that was much more clear. 
And I certainly enjoyed that movie more and the other classics like A Bug's Life and, and Monsters, Inc. So yeah, I, I would put it in the middle tier as well. Yeah, so it's one of those films where I don't want people to walk away thinking that we just like totally <laughs> didn't like it, but it's definitely a movie that I would probably want to temper down the hype. I was also surprised with Rotten Tomatoes, such a high rating. I actually went in and read a lot of the critics' reviews. The way Rotten Tomatoes works is basically if you give it, even if it's just like borderline good review, they count it as fresh. And so what you see as a 97% doesn't mean that critics actually gave this movie like a 97%, but rather that 97% of critics gave it a fresh rating. Interesting. So when you actually go in and read the critics' reviews, some of them also were a bit iffy about the plot and a bit iffy about how certain things, and a lot of them felt that the core message of the story was to enjoy life's simplest moments, and that's where you're truly living. And some people thought that that was a very obvious conclusion. (laughs) So some critics are like, this message is kind of cliche, it's kind of trite, but okay, we'll roll with it. So I would say critics aren't raving, like this wasn't a film that got four stars across the board, but it's just that a lot of them felt, hey, this was a good movie. It may not be the best movie, but it's a good movie and it's worth a watch. And so that's how that 97% came about. Gotcha. I just thought it was 97% because people really related to, you know, boring living and not loving your job. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, yeah, I feel you. So before we close out this section that's supposed to be spoiler-free, are there any final words or thoughts that you guys want to share? I would say if any listeners already have Disney+, Plus, go ahead and watch it for sure. Because I think most, if not all, Pixar movies, you know, involve so much production effort that they're just worth watching. But I would say if you don't have Disney+, Plus and you're deciding whether to activate it just for this movie or not. Um, I I don't know. That's a harder question to answer, um, but it's not a clear yes. I think I would still recommend watching this movie. It might not be an up-level movie, but I still think watching it will cause you to think more deeply about what it's trying to say, and maybe the confusing part of the movie will stimulate some thinking and reflection even if the message is not super clear cut and beautiful and the music is amazing as well. And I feel like you can, yeah, maybe it's separated by age group. Like if you are past college and entering your first job and wondering why you're not loving it, then you can watch this movie and feel a little bit inspired. But if you're like 10, uh, maybe wait a couple years. <laughs> Deborah, how many of your listeners are 10? Just curious. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. I'd be a whole family listening to my show. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with what everyone has said here. I think it's a good movie for sure. Definitely not the best Pixar movie I've ever seen. But it is a beautifully animated film with also really great music and a story that is quite heartwarming, especially given just how difficult 2020 has been. And so if you're someone who's looking for a fun movie that's also uplifting, inspiring, a way to close out the year or to start the new year, I think this would be a great watch, even though 
there are some looser plot. It doesn't feel as airtight and solid as a lot of the other films. It's still entertaining. And so I think there's a lot of reasons to just watch this movie and to enjoy it, but to not to not hype it up too much. Basically trying to manage people's expectations here where it's a great movie, but don't go in thinking that it's going to be like best picture of the year or something. <laughs> it's definitely just a fun movie to watch. Yeah, and to add on to that point, Deborah, I think maybe the reason that I felt disappointed is because, and maybe other viewers, some some of other some of the other viewers might have felt disappointment is because I was kind of going into it now that I look back with an expectation of it giving me an answer as to like how I can live my life more meaningfully and purposefully, but the answer was not as obvious as I wanted it to be. I think I was expecting more. I was expecting it more than at just the movie level, but as like a life lesson level. And maybe that's what caused some of the disappointment, but still a good movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Still a good movie. So guys, if you're on the fence, just watch it. It's, it's, it is a good movie. It's although we've like basically said all the reasons why we had an <laughs> issue with it, but it is a good movie. I don't want people to misunderstand. It's, Probably, I would say, like, the second tier of Pixar movies, of the first tier, all the classics. I definitely think this falls somewhere in the second tier. So still a great watch. And, yeah, I think it's fun for the family to just watch something nice and happy at the end of the year or into the new year. So cool. Wrapping up the part where we're spoiler-free. So now is the part where we're going to just talk about whatever comes to mind about this movie. So if you don't want spoilers, this is the place to hit pause, go watch that movie and then come back. All right. So what are you guys' thoughts? Amy, do you want to start? Um, no, you can. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, the one scene that really stuck with me and that I really liked was when, um, when Joe asked Dorothea after the performance, how come I, how come my life doesn't feel any better or how come things haven't changed? And she kind of gave an analogy. She said there once was a, a young fish that swam up to an older fish and asked, excuse me, where, where I'm trying to get to the ocean. Where, where is that? And then the older fish says, uh, you're already in it. And then the younger fish says, no, this is just water. I'm looking for the ocean. I, I loved that scene. And I thought it, it really, if there, if there was an explicit message to that film, then I think this scene really captured it beautifully. I also remember that scene very vividly. It's just a beautiful way to remind us that you're not living for a goal or you're not just living for those dreams, but to really widen your perspective, to really see and enjoy life. Like your life isn't just your dream or your goal. It's much bigger than that. And then broadening your range of vision to really see all those other things as well. And so I thought that that was really beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, it's almost like answering the question, what are you even living for? You tried, Joe tried so hard to get back to earth just to play that one show. And I think that was kind of his answer throughout the most of the movie, at least, where He's like, oh, as long as I play this one show, I don't want my life to have no purpose. And that was sort of the end goal. But then I think 22 throughout discovering when or like why um, you become finally ready to live. It's sort of like enjoying the process 
of living. And so getting to the end goal of playing the show, it might feel like a little bit of a letdown. But but to be honest, though, I, I, I don't know if I find Joe's reaction to be convincing. If Joe really loves music as much as he does, how can he be disappointed, like literally after his his first meaningful gig? I can see like 10 years later, if he's still doing the same thing with Dorothy uh, every every week, yeah, okay, he'll he'll get disappointed. But to be so deeply disappointed by your first performance with with your idol, I don't know. It, it seemed a little bit um, too dramatic. Yeah, and since we're on characters, another part that didn't make sense to me is why 22 just doesn't want to live. Like, what's her backstory? Yes. Technically, she's never even been to Earth. <laughs> How does she know that Earth is soul-crushing? The impression that I got from her was that she already seemed like a fully-fledged human. And that bothered me a little bit. Because I think, I mean, the premise of the movie seems to be until the body and the soul are are united, you, you don't have a full experience, right? But she already had such a fully fledged personality and preferences. It didn't even it didn't even feel like she was just a soul. It felt like she was a person that looked like a green blob. It didn't make sense why she had such strong emotions when she hasn't even been a full person yet. Maybe she was the only soul that got access to that box that led to the the lost souls that just like walked around in the sand but i'm not i'm also not sure because all the other souls are just like babies and just excited about anything when you haven't seen anything then you would get a spark from anything but she's already seen so much so she might have been just dated from the millions of years of being not inspired yeah i don't know if you guys remember but at at the at one of the last scenes where she was like finally going down to earth I think she ended up in 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 China or at least somewhere in Asia. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I like she was flying down <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she land she was on a straight path to China. So just FYI if any listeners want to go back to and, and watch that part. I love how you picked up on that detail. I was just like, "Oh, she's going to Earth. This is the climax." Did not see where she was actually headed. <laughs> I actually have a question for you guys. I don't know if you remember the scene um, where the lost souls are. Um, and one, one of them was, say, was repeating, have to make another trade, have to make another another trade. And then one of the Jerry's, or I think it was one of the Jerry's, made a comment that was, oh, must be another hedge fund manager. What did you guys think of that comment? And does it align with the message of the film? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I was actually really intrigued by how people in the flow and the lost souls are all in the same space. I think that was very interesting. And that's where the message kind of gets murky and where I kind of got confused. But I'll explain what I interpreted as first and why then I think the hedge fund manager part didn't really make sense in the context of what I envisioned this world to be. I thought it was interesting because I think that is where it shows you you know, your passion is great. Like Joe, he loves music and that gets him in the flow. That's a good thing. But when you become so obsessed with chasing after your passion, you could become a lost soul because you're so zeroed in on that goal that you ignore everything else around you. And that obsession becomes unhealthy. So I guess an example could be 
And I know this is kind of a touchy topic, but it's the first example that comes to mind. But for example, K-pop, right? We all know that it's a brutal industry, but a lot of these young people want to become K-pop stars. And so when they zero in on that, originally what gave them a lot of joy and passion, suddenly they have to care about losing weight. They have to get plastic surgery. There are all these other things, but because they're so focused on being that K-pop star, they'll ignore healthy balance and just go for it. And I think that's when suddenly it goes from passion and flow to now becoming a lost soul. And you're questioning like, is this obsession worth it? Or is this obsession eating away at me to the point that I don't even recognize that I'm lost? Kind of like how these lost souls, they don't know they're lost until that crew comes and sets them free. So that's what I was thinking of. And then, so that's when the hedge fund manager scene, first of all, I was like, that that is a very stereotypical jab at people who work in finance. But the second thing is, I guess he's a lost soul, but like, did finance ever give him a flow? Maybe that's also a bit of my stereotype kicking in. That's why it felt a bit out of place. Because for example, with 22, originally, like you could say that she could be in a flow in terms of her time, like playing the piano and like getting to the life on earth. I could see her being in flow, but I could also understand why she became a lost soul because she was so fixated on finding what her purpose is that she just kind of lost track and just went into a downward spiral. But for the hedge fund manager, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it other than it was just supposed to be humor that takes a jab at a profession that many people use as a stereotypical antithesis of following your passion. Yeah, I think one thing this movie kind of doesn't comment on is the, I guess this is also for our kids as well, but um, the practicality of actually following your passion and, and how that relates to your purpose because you could you have plenty of people working jobs that they don't love and maybe in the hedge fund example particularly it was like oh make a trade make a trade just just to make money and if that's your only purpose or if that's your only goal then maybe it does set you in um, the lost soul category but sometimes your purpose might be providing for a family that that is your purpose and so you're willing to do the job and so maybe you won't be a lost soul because you know what the purpose is in doing such a such a soul draining job but at least you know what you're doing it for so I think that part was a little bit more ambiguous to me because I as you mentioned before both of them are in the same realm so if you follow your passion um, and get into that flow state you could also easily get into the state where you're a lost soul but then how does the purpose of that um, come in like are you also a lost soul if you do something that isn't your passion but you know what you're doing it for and it is worth it to you yeah. And I think that brings up a great point because going on to all of the messages for this film, I think it's interesting how they drew a distinction between purpose and passion. I think this is where I kind of got thrown off my first time viewing it because I kept thinking the spark meant passion, right? Because they would send all the kids into the hall of everything. And there's this assumption that your purpose is inextricably bound up with your passion. And in fact, they might be equivalent to each other. That's what's like, oh, does pizza make you feel anything? Does piano make you feel something? But then it's like, as the story goes on, you realize that the two can be quite distinct. You can be passionate about something, but just like how your passions can easily flip from bringing you into a state of flow to making you a lost soul, then that's something different than your purpose. And I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on what that purpose is is or do you guys see a distinction between purpose and passion because I think this is also where the movie kind of gets a bit gray in distinguishing the two and explaining how they might be different from each other 
Yeah, I, I, I do think the movie tries to distinguish passion and spark and purpose and meaning, which are all very similar terms. And I, I don't know what the exact difference is, but I don't think it does it in a way that I necessarily agree with. Because if we were to just bucket bucket these things into two main uh, areas, if you will. So one is, let's just say purpose versus passion. It seems like the movie was suggesting that the, the purpose or the meaning of our lives was our lives itself. Like life is the meaning of life because all you have to do is enjoy the little things in life. Enjoy the taste of pizza, the lollipop, the the fallen leaf. But it's communicating this message in a way that would suggest if that's all a person did in their entire life, that they've had a meaningful life. And I don't agree with that premise that if you taste a lollipop or a pizza for your entire life and that's all you do, that you've lived a meaningful or fulfilling life. I think it's there needs to be a balance. And I don't think the movie conveys that balance well enough. It seems to put a lot more emphasis on enjoying the little moments of life, which, yeah, it's good, but that cannot be defined as the meaning of life. Yeah, I agree. I almost felt it was like a bait and switch, to be quite honest, because the way they marketed the movie felt a lot like, oh, the meaning of life and purpose. But when you get to the end of the movie, it's like, wait, no, that that was not like, sure, you touched on it, but it seems like your core message out of all the different things you tried to investigate in this film is, to your point, to enjoy the small moments in life. I felt, if anything, it was like a play on words because it felt like they were saying the purpose of life is to live purposefully, like to live intentionally and to enjoy every single moment. And I was like, all right, but that still feels like a bit, a bit of semantics and not what I thought I was getting myself into with this movie. Yeah, I I just didn't find the message to be inspiring. I'm not going to go outside and, and, and touch a leaf or, or, or get a lollipop. You know, it's, it just wasn't inspiring in that way. What do you guys think about, um, the contrast of Joe who thought the purpose of his life was piano and music and that this is what he was born to do versus Des in the barbershop who told him that he actually wanted to be a veterinarian but didn't have enough money so then he became a barber and he lived a pretty happy life. Like what did Des find? And I guess the message gets kind of muddled because Connie was also brought up as like an example as well but that was like Connie finding her spark which is something different. Des was an inspiring character and not because he was enjoying and not because he was just enjoying the small moments of moments of life, right? But because he was doing what he loved, even though it wasn't his initial spark, he now loves being a barber. He loves making people feel confident about their looks and, and, you know, their, their self-esteem and that brings him joy and he's helping others. So that that message makes sense, but it seems like a side message that was overshadowed by enjoy the small things. That's a really interesting foil that you bring up of Des and Joe. I think it's it's true that we may all have our passions and we want to make that our purpose and we have dreams in those areas and we want to make that our life's purpose and that's what we go after, but life doesn't always pan out as we want it to. And there are going to be times when what you initially hoped for 
is not going to materialize. And so maybe that's why the movie then takes a switch into, hey, like no one can say for sure what your purpose is or if your passion can become your purpose, like if you'll be able to find that overlap. So the best thing you can do is to just take in life in all that it is and enjoy every single moment because no one can say for sure what will happen. Just like how Joe, lucky him, he gets his big break, gets a second shot at life. But like Des, he, his life took a different turn. And that isn't to say he's upset with where he is. He found joy in that too. But I think maybe it's just sending the message of who knows where life can take you. Don't be so set on that one thing and think that that's the only reason for living where the only thing you can do, open up your perspective and maybe like does if life takes a different way you'll learn to see the beauty in that too there was a recurring term that kept coming up just what jazzing was which i'm not really sure what you guys think what jazzing really means because they just kind of use it as a replacement word for other things that does not in that barbershop 22 that she was jazzing what are your thoughts I love that you bring that up because another question that was going through my mind is why jazz? Why have the protagonist be a musician who specifically likes jazz? So I think jazz, it involves a lot of improv, it's a lot of spontaneity. And so I think in the context of soul to have him be a jazz performer and to have jazzing be a term is I think just to go with the flow, like whatever life throws at you improv kind of like how does his plan was to be a veterinarian but life turned out that way so I'm just gonna jazz along with it and be a barber and hey I actually kind of like where this landed kind of like how with Joe and the in 22 they met a lot of interesting situations because of this body switch right and so Jasmine was like well we're stuck in this situation we we're stuck in this body switch but whatever happens we're just gonna go with the flow and so I think maybe jazz is also meant to be part of that broader message that Pixar is trying to send through this film of like life, it could happen in any one of a million ways and to live a happy life in essence is to just go along with it. Because if you try to twist and turn it and do whatever you can to make it fit the plan you have, you're going to turn up like a lost soul. And so I think the term jazzing and jazz is basically to, yeah, just, Go with the flow of life and enjoy those improv moments. Enjoy that spontaneity. Play around, explore, because maybe through exploring, just like 22, you'll find that, oh, there was this part of life that I never knew existed and that I frankly like a lot. Totally agree with that. And I think the other thing that jazz music really lends itself to doing super well in this film is it sets the stage for diversity representation on screen um because blues and jazz it came from african african americans and basically all the main characters that you see in this movie are african american and it's like a part of their culture and heritage and i think it represents um these characters in a super authentic way i mean as far as i can tell i'm not african american but i do think the creators made a genuine attempt so bravo to them for that i think in contrast to a lot of other movies where they just do it just for the sake of checking that box off. It seems like for this movie, it was an integral part of the plot and and the, the premise rather than box checking. So I think this is something that um, this movie does super well. I 
actually want to talk a bit about the mom and to get your guys' thoughts on the scene where he has to go get his pants sewn back together by his mom and they have that confrontation and then she ultimately decides to support him. So what are your thoughts on that? That was a really memorable scene. And I think done in a super interesting way with uh, the cat on Joe's shoulder and the cat obviously is Joe. And he starts off by whispering the things that he wants uh, 22 to say on his behalf. And then it kind of like, I think the camera pans like a 360 or something. And then suddenly it's actual Joe's voice in his body. I think for like one of the first times in the actual film after the body switch, or one of the only times that Joe speaks in his actual voice in his own body. And so that was really powerful. In terms of the, the message itself, I love the reaction of his mom and, and how once she heard his full side of the story, she became really supportive. And it, it made sense as to why she was so worried before. And we learned that it was because Joe's father used to be a musician and you know struggled a lot. So um, we're finally able to piece together both sides of the story as to why Joe is initially so fearful and hesitant to share his views and, and why the mom is initially so adamant about him not being a musician. Yeah, also kind of a wake-up call from all that pursuing your passion stuff. The mom is, like, the person who grounds the reality of, like, who's going to pay for your breakfast every day. And she's so excited when Joe finally gets the offer to be a full-time band teacher. Yeah, I thought it was really moving where she whips out his dad's old suit. I think it was, like, fully wool. And then um, she gets all of her seamstresses to help out and make sure Joe looks perfect for his show. But what really caught me in that scene was how quickly Joe's mom had that 180. Because it feels like the standoff between two of them has been going on for quite some time, right? That's why he's learned to hide things from her. And that's why he's super fearful when he realizes his mom has found out about the gig with Dorothea Williams. And so that's why I was really surprised that suddenly his mom just flipped a switch and was like, yes, I will bring out your dad's suit and you're going to go play with Dorothea Williams. I'm suddenly 100% supportive of you. That kind of threw me off a bit. And I actually remember backing up a bit to see what the line was. What did he say that tipped her? And I think the line was something like, if I don't have jazz, that's my reason for living. And that's when the mom has this shocked expression on her face and then just does this 180. Yeah. The way that I interpreted was when Joe said those things, I'm I'm extrapolating, but based on her reaction and her facial expressions, I think it might have reminded her of her own husband. Maybe at some point her husband had said the exact same thing as what Joe was saying now. And maybe at that point she realizes, okay, I, I loved my husband, but I wasn't able to change his view on this. So instead of fighting it, like I did with, you know, Joe's father, let me just support Joe, who reminds me so much of, you know, the deceased, the husband. There's also the thought that Joe does not have a safety net like her. Like her husband was able to pursue his dreams because she was able to financially support him with her shop. But when she goes, Joe has no support. And so that makes sense from a mother's perspective to have your your child just pursue something and then potentially end up like financially in trouble. Um, but then I guess it's also about taking risks too. 
Like if Joe really pursues this and ends up nowhere, will he really just continue playing music and not find an actual job? I mean, he is like a music teacher right now too. Um, and the other aspect that made me wonder is just a reflection of myself. Like how many people do you think actually have that one thing that really keeps them going and it's okay if you don't have a certain quality of life, but if you don't have this one thing, you may not be able to live. But that's like a pretty rare gift, I think, that only happens to some people. Most people I know don't have that. <laughs> yeah, I, I also feel like that one scene with the mom and the suit reminded me of Coco. I don't know if you guys have seen that Pixar film. But yeah, it's the same thing where like someone really loves music and the family is very much against it. But then you know the whole backstory and then it all kind of comes together. But yeah, now that we talk about it, I'm actually kind of curious what happened to Joe's father. It seems to imply that he's no longer living because everything that we see is through flashbacks. In which case I was like, maybe, I don't know, this would be a really dark turn. And this is just me like assuming like, what if Joe's dad said something like that and something actually related to his death was around this? And so maybe that's why the mom was like, I'm not going to even go there because losing Joe, just like losing my husband would be too much. Or what if, plot twist, the, the, the father was reincarnated and is actually, <laughs> is actually 22. Oh! Oh, sequel. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's, why, that's why 22 loves music, because 22 is actually just dad. The oh. dad! Oh. oh, shoot. Full circle. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. This was a super fun conversation. Are there any last things that you guys want to share with the listeners? Any last things you guys want to say? I would say, I hope you enjoy the movie um, and all of its beautiful animation and and music. Um, It'll definitely make you reflect a little bit more on your own life. I don't think it's meant to tell you how to live your life, but if it can generate conversation with yourself, then I think the movie has probably achieved what it set out to do, which is make make all of us think about our own lives and what, what they mean. Yeah, and Jackson, do you want to also do a quick plug for your podcast since we're talking about life and purpose and passions? Yeah, um, like I mentioned before, I do have my own podcast called Path to Purpose. You can find it on Apple Podcast or um, Spotify or any other major platform, really. And what I do there is very similar to what this movie sets out to do, which is try to understand from different perspectives what purpose means or can look like. And so I interview people with inspiring stories from all walks of life and all parts of the world to understand how they got from where they were before to where they are now and what their take on meaning and purpose is. So go ahead and take a listen. Cool, yeah. So Jackson's podcast, definitely tune in guys. It's called Path to Purpose. And Amy, are there any last things that you wanna say to the audience? I thought this was a really fun discussion. I've never discussed a movie so so in depth before, but I would say I generally really like the movie. And after the movie, I think I just took everything really slow. To Jackson's point, the main message of the movie, like just to go with the flow. And so, yeah, I would just encourage all the viewers to do that at the end of 2020 right now. And um, in the next year, just just take it chill and be open to all the possibilities. I think it has a 
very positive spin to it. And we should be excited for what's to come. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. And to all the listeners out there, Soul is available on Disney Plus. So you can go ahead and watch it there. There is no additional charge to do so. So yeah, let us know your thoughts if you've watched Soul. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.